Welcome to the Truth CSGO podcast episode 18 this week, preview to the major, KNG kicked by 100 thieves, Taz possibly leaves VP, make it into IEM Katowice and IEM Sydney confirmed for 2018. First off, a bit of housekeeping. Thank you for all the love after the message to the Hackers episode. I've got some lovely private messages from you guys saying things like, I nearly cried, uh, saying things like, I'm going to delete all my cheats. Uh, some emails saying, I've motivated you to make more videos, post more, contribute to the scene. And one from a listener saying he was thinking of cheating on my podcast came out at the exact right time. One of the hackers who'd emailed me, one of the ones I was directly addressing, the guy who actually coded cheats as well said, now he will never provide cheats to another person. And he was also thinking about getting into cheating again after a little while of not even thinking about Counter-Strike, but now he's not going to. So that's wonderful. And then there was a guy on Reddit who called that episode 19 minutes of bullshit, which uh, having Irish blood, I take as a high compliment. So that was an awesome response. It's good news. Uh, speaking of news, on the domestic news front, Order, an Aussie team, have beaten out favourites Tainted Minds and Chiefs in the Oceania qualifier for IEM Katowice, which means we'll have a full Aussie team against the likes of Australis, Cloud9, G2, FaZe, NIP, SK, VP and Tyloo. So that is extremely exciting. I'm going to see if I can get someone from that camp in for a chat before that happens. Now a little bit more on order if you're not aware of them. You might have been aware of the team called Kings, and that's because... Kings, oh, they, they, they achieved a bit in their, uh, in their time as, a, as an Australian team, but they decided to let loose their team in December 18th last year. The team stuck together and were picked up by Order or became Order, it's unclear to me, earlier this month. And they're coached by David, a former analyst for CLG. Now, the longest playing member of Order, as far as I can tell, is a bloke called Imagine. He's a 26-year-old mad lad whose best result came with his team. Actually, this team, this new Order team, on the 14th, winning the WSG Asia-Pacific Finals against a bunch of Asian teams I'd never heard of. That netted them 40k. Anyway, let's keep an eye on those boys, and it's good to see some Aussies are going to be on the big stage in Feb. Now, also on the home front... Get your VB and your Dunlops and pour said Bev into said footwear because IEM Sydney is coming back in 2018. A leaked screenshot service last week from the IEM website with the dates May 6th to May 7th. One of my highlights of last year was IEM Sydney for show. So I'll be looking forward to that. I was a bit worried, actually, even though last year was such a success because flights and freight costs, you know, they're prohibitive. We're on the other side of the world from most of the uh, pro scene. But it seems the outrageous ticket sales and access to the Aussie market was enough for the organisers and sponsors to do a repeat. No idea on where it's going to be or if it's going to be the same arena as last time. But anyway, as that draws near, I look forward to getting in touch with all of you who are going and perhaps setting up a sort of informal truth booth. I'm not sure what that uh, would entail. Perhaps matching Bialy t-shirts remains to be seen. Now, the big news of this week... KNG is leaving 100 Thieves. If you haven't been up with the gossip on Reddit and Twitter, 
and all of those other spheres where Counter-Strike seems to uh, be discussed. Here's what's happened. Fallen, IGL of SK, complained that the room next to his in Boston smelled like weed. Thorin, who's an analyst, he took the opportunity to have a dig at 100 Thieves and KNG. KNG's the player who was part of the disgraced ex-immortals lineup who were kicked late last year for bad behavior and threatening to kill someone on Twitter, just to remind you. Now, um, Thorin suggested that maybe the uh, smell of weed came from 100 Thieves team, obviously a joke, but KNG, seemingly unable to take a joke, said, those shit you're talking about, are you sober or is it just after you make love to your boyfriend? And uh, that's um, word for word. I think uh, poor old KNG has, is forced to uh, resort to Google Translate for a lot of his tweets. Now, at that point, that may have been enough to get him kicked from 100 Thieves. But then it was Thorin's turn to not take a joke, and he tweeted, Are you suggesting there's something wrong with being gay? KNG then replied, Obviously not. Everyone has your choice. Just asked if it was after you make love. Make love is not good? Question mark. Thorin continued to bait the bull and said, So you're just interested in details about someone's gay sex life? And it went on. It went on. The upshot is KNG was kicked from 100 Thieves, who it seems only embraced the Ex-Immortals players as a way to get into the major. Surprise, surprise. And not as the beginning of a sort of villain team in CS, which is a real shame. It's a real shame. I've talked about the value of the uh, heels in wrestling before. But, I mean, can you imagine, let's say I am Katowice, which is 100 Thieves actually are attending. Oh, no, they're attending a qualifier for on the 30th. Anyway, can you imagine that these players... Like, with KNG on the big stage and Thorin was on the desk, that'd be beautiful. Actual drama for once, not just... Um, we wouldn't just have to rely on the drama of the games, right? We'd have some uh, drama that was going on between the people actually involved in the um, sport. Maybe not the best uh, role model for young um, you know, CSGO fans, but there's a part of me that... Uh, Things that would make a good spectacle. And I mean, look, obviously KNG's got no self-control. He's completely out of touch with the 21st century. In his Facebook statement after being kicked, which was hilariously in the same spirit of chin-up self-denial the last one was, when he was kicked from Immortals, KNG stated that Thorin's associating of his team with smoking weed caused his mother and sisters to be, I quote, asked about this senseless matter. Now, if your relationship with your mother and sister isn't good enough that they believe your word over someone else's Twitter post... You've got some family issues. I think um, the last episode I did about KNG, I ended with a song that said, basically, you need to grow up. And look, I think we can all agree the comment was made with a homophobic edge to it. Definitely. But Thorin didn't need to keep going. Especially because in a court of law, it would be defensively not homophobic. And uh, this, can be, this can be demonstrated. For instance, if you change KNG's comment to instead say, is it just after you make love to your girlfriend? There's no way he would have been accused of being heterophobic. So there's a, there's, a, there's a fair amount of disingen- disingenuity there, I'd say. In fact, Thorin's reactions smacked of malice to me, which is no real... <laughs> it's, no, it's no real surprise. He specialises in a bit of um, underhanded malice. He's very good at it. It's like someone at the zoo, though, who baits their tiger into lunging at them and hitting its nose on the glass. Like, congratulations. It's too dumb not to lunge and make an idiot of itself. And you don't need to be clever to get it to do that. It's just kind of sad when it does it. On the flip side, I think it's a great thing 
that he's called this out. Because there is, there is a homophobic streak through some of the Brazilians. I remember Cold Zero calling someone a faggot on Twitter. It's very gauche. It's very backwards. But then there are plenty of non-Brazilians who are gauche and backwards. I used to get called faggot in high school. There's plenty of homophobia and racism in Australian matchmaking too. And I really can't fucking stand it. And these are not just like under 18 year olds. Some of these are grown men. Some of these people, you're like, dude, you're, you, you sound at least 28 plus, And you're calling someone a dirty abo faggot. Uh, a- abo, if you're not um, aware of that term... Well, I mean, it's probably closest to the N-word that Australians have, and I don't know why I'm saying the N-word when I've just said the A-word, but there you go. It's it's short for Aborigine, which is our indigenous population here. Anyway, I can't speak for wherever Thorne comes from, but the one difference between Australia and Brazil is that Brazil has gone through a dramatic socioeconomic change in the last 20 years, while Australia has been extremely stable in its class proportions since the 70s. Between 2005 and 2011, more than 40 million people entered the ranks of the middle class in Brazil, making it the biggest social group in that country, with a total of 103 million people who represent 54% of the country's total population. There's a very, very short time for such an extreme social shift to occur. Now, I have no idea if KNG is part of this, or is affected by this, uh, or if this is even relevant to point out, but I think it is interesting to consider these things, especially in light of the fact that KNG's fiascos somehow inevitably turn into a discussion about Brazilian fans. And the middle class, as we know, comes from an economic marker, but often goes hand in hand with increased levels of education. Anyway, KNG finished his Facebook post by saying, I believe nothing happens by chance, and I'm sure that this door has been closed so that others can open in my life and the life of my family. Unfortunately, poor old KNG, we have to learn the hardest lessons more than once. So whatever those doors are, I suspect this won't be the last time Giuseppe Vito has to make a public apology. I feel like one day, actually, there'll be a book published, like the great speeches of Winston Churchill or the love letters of Simone de Beauvoir. It'll be the collected public apologies of KNG. And volume one is going to be the CSGO years. Next up in the news, Virtus Pro may be replacing Taz. According to sources close to DK, he was informed that uh, Taz might be replaced on Virtus Pro and might be replaced for Michu from Kinguin. The head of VP, Roman Dvoriankin, tweeted that speculations like this are just random accusations. I should say, uh, Mr. DK posted this on Double Tap, which is his new uh, area of employment, which is very exciting. It's good to know he's got a regular employer again, and we're putting out uh, the quality uh, leaks we know him from. Know him for? Know him for. This statement from Roman Dvoriankin, Dvoriankin, I'm bad at Russian pronunciations. Uh, I wouldn't pay any, any heed, really. It's his job, right? There's contracts in place, I'm sure, with Taz and anyone who's aware of the roster moves. And these contracts legally bind them not to tell anyone anything. So in doing this, he's immediately putting it out there for the record that it wasn't he who leaked anything and it strengthens his case should anything be litigious in the future. Which is, you know, the same reason the head of Kingwin has come out and said there's no plans to get rid of anyone or transfer anyone, especially Michu. But what this means is that I'm more likely to believe DK in this scenario. But it really hurts. It hurts my heart ball. I mean, talking about Taz actually leaving VP, 
for me, is worse than talking about Freiburg leaving NIP. I just don't want to believe it could happen. I mean, these guys are still ranked number nine. They're ranked number nine. I think North is 10. Num- nine is huge. There was an interview released by VP with uh, Pasha Biceps yesterday, probably for a bit of, um, you know, we're down on the on the on the ratings of the public or whatever. If I was VP, I would do this too. You get kicked out of a major. Just release an interview with with Pasha. He's such a charismatic fellow. Unfortunately, this was a pretty down interview. He touched on his concern about their play. He talked about deadlifting, for instance, and being worried about how it might make his hand heavy. So he'd been practicing with doing it more or doing it less and experimenting, which kind of amazes me. Like, that's the kind of thing that I would be experimenting with just as a, you know, a matchmaker, like a, as a casual player. I mean, uh, as, as, you've, as you know, I've experimented with playing soccer, with meditating and with diet and stuff. So why is he at his level kind of working on that kind of stuff? It seems... And it's hard to know whether or not it's truthful. I mean, it can't be the full story, obviously. I'm sure there's things in the team that he cannot speak about. And he did mention they look at themselves when they're not doing well. And they don't really look at themselves when they're doing badly. Uh, No, no, vice versa. They look at themselves when they're not doing well. They don't really look at themselves when they're doing um, well. Oh, my God. It's late here. But look, here's the thing. The default game of CS isn't good, right? In my experience, it's hard just to do well if you pick it up. I have to be in a great mood. I have to be clear of mind. I have to be somewhat detached from the outcome in a way that allows me a continued amount of objectivity, but I can't be too relaxed. If I'm too relaxed, I'm not engaged enough. Now, as I've mentioned in the past, this can be accomplished by playing an actual team sport like soccer in a physical space prior to the game. If your whole team at that point isn't winning every game, your strats need refreshing, your anti-stratting needs refreshing, and you probably need to be communicating better. Now, he did bring up the idea... Oh, pardon me, that they may be too old. And that's something to talk about. That is something to talk about. According to a study by researchers at Simon Fraser University in Canada, who tested over 3,000 people from the ages of 16 to 44, they found that for every 15 years after the age of 24, cognitive speed dropped by around 15%. I'm just going to go over that again. They tested over 3,000 people from the ages of 16 to 44, and they found that for every 15 years After the age of 24, cognitive speed dropped by around 15%. That means that Taz, who's 31, potentially has 7% slower reaction times than the oldest player, Skadoodle, on the last team who beat them, Cloud9. That's the oldest player on Cloud9. Skadoodle's 24. Taz has 7% slower reaction times than him. Probably. If you want to try out this research, you can go to a website called justpark.com, J-U-S-T-P-A-R-K, slash creative slash reaction hyphen time hyphen test, or just Google park reaction time test. (laughs) Wait, Google just park reaction time test, and you can do the test online. Now, my first test, they predicted I was 31, and once I knew what I was looking for, I could not get under the reactions of a 27-year-old. I just could not do it. So, you know, I'm not sure we've had a team with players this old across the board in it. And it's possible that Neo and Taz are just physically unable to compete on that high level anymore. So, I hate to say it, but um, this could be it. 
So on to the major. By now, you all know the results of the group stages, I'm sure, and I don't want to go on about this too much because in 24 hours, this info will be out of date. But just for context, the game days began at 2 a.m. here in Australia, and it ended around my 10 a.m., and I began work at 9, so it was very difficult to watch all these games without basically going insane. But I did have a fair whack at it. And just in case you don't go to the websites, North and VP bombed out hard, coming dead last. Big, Liquid, Astralis, Gambit, Vega, and Space Soldiers also didn't make the final eight. Big were drubbed on Inferno, which was the last map that... Uh, it was the map that basically they won three straight best of ones and on in the major. So that was a bit of a surprise, although... You know, we've talked about the bug before. Maybe that had something to do with it. Liquid had stand-in Zeus, the coach, but they put up a good show nonetheless. Actually, the greatest part about their run was to see somewhat of a return to form from Nitro. Apparently because the task of in-game leading went to Zeus and he was free to concentrate on fragging again. Which makes me think that when Steel comes back, that perhaps he should be the IGL as he was in Immortals and just they can let Nitro loose on a more regular base. Now, Astralis had an absolute shocker. I wasn't really able to catch many of their games. I saw the highlights, but that is a real disappointment for me. I mean, they got drummed by Mouseports on cash. Oscar, like, I don't know what he got, like 32 to 4 or something? Ridic? Uh, I don't know what's going on there. <clears throat> it's a real shame. It might be a bit of soul-searching in the next month or two for them. Gambit put up a very good showing in the games that I saw, including a poetic nuke game against Na'Vi, but they got absolutely caned by Fnatic and Mirage 16-2 they lost close games to SK Space Soldiers and Quantum Bellator Fire sad to see the winners of the last major not get through to the final eight they are such a formidable team but uh, I'm sure that we haven't seen the last of them Vega Squadron got drubbed pretty hard as well they only picked up one game against Liquid and lost the others 3-16 3-16 and 4-16 it's a shame for them. They did so well to get that far. Finally, Space Soldiers, who was a Dark Horse favourite for a lot of people, just couldn't beat Mouse Sports or SK, which is a shame. They've beaten SK before and they got close to Mouse Sports and they beat Cloud9 on Cobble and Mouse Sports earlier in the qualifiers. But look, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of them anyhow. There's no reason for them to make a roster change, I wouldn't say at this point. Uh, yeah, they're on the up and up. Now, this leaves us in the final eight with FaZe, Mouse Sports, Na'Vi, Quantum Bellator Fire, uh, here and out known as QBF because I cannot BF, uh, G2, Cloud9, SK, and Fnatic. So firstly, just run over these uh, top eight teams in a row. Firstly, I'm very glad my predictions for Cloud9's run of form have come true. The boys have some serious cohesion going on, which is very exciting. I feel like they could uh, actually do things at this major. The first team they're up against is G2 and unfortunately G2 are on a similar run of form so I don't know who knows I mean look what's great about this is that they've gotten this far we know this team can do great things they haven't even been together that long so this is the beginning of some good times QBF uh, they could however be the biggest storyline of this major because they've currently uh, entered this major ranked at number 25 they've only been together as a lineup for three months and the next lowest ranked uh, in this top eight is Na'Vi, who are number 11. So QBF are very definitely the massive underdogs in this event. And they also beat FaZe in their first match of the groups. So if you can do that, you can do anything. As for the others, uh, seeing if Na'Vi can get their shit together will be really interesting to see. Because if you're not too familiar with them, they have the in-game leader from last year's major winning team, Zeus. That's different from the Zeus from Liquid. Uh, they also have one of the best players in the world, Simple, but they have shat the bed on numerous occasions in the past few months. Like, really shattered. Like, 
stains on the walls type of thing. Now, Mouse Sports, of course, they had an amazing run winning Mykonos and, of course, an insanely close loss to FaZe at the ECS Season 4 Finals in Des. They're incredibly hungry and pumped. You can see it on their faces. Probably more hungry than anybody else, I've got to say, in this uh, top eight. It seems like it anyway. Fnatic and G2, they're showing a revivification of their old stars. Uh, Shocks and Flusher, for instance. And, of course, there's the rivalry between FaZe and SK, which was made even spicier by the fact that FaZe finally beat SK in one of the group stage matches. Which was about time. Now, uh, that's probably as far as I'll go with this one. There's going to be so much to talk about once it's all over, and I'm going to be enjoying it. So here ends this episode. Um, I've been really busy at work as well, which is why I don't have more to talk about. It's as if everyone tries to make up for lost time during the holidays and decides January is the time to bust your ass. also have no Toxic Player of the Week this week because I've been a little toxic myself this week. That's right. It happens to us all. You know, but mainly, mainly, here's the real ish. I'm reaching a crossroads, I think, with playing Counter-Strike, where something's going to have to break. In fact, I think something's going to have to break with computer games in general. What I think what I think might be on the horizon is an episode where I debate whether I should be playing Counter-Strike at all. And potentially a month where I don't play anything and report back during. This won't come as a surprise to long-term listeners, this proposal. Uh, I think my ambivalence to playing CSGO has been made fairly clear, despite my absolute glorious heart-thumping love for it. Fuck. Anyway, keep an eye out for that app in the future. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter, at the truth CSGO at the truth CSGO. I don't post that much, but I do post occasionally. Or on Gmail at thetruthcsgopodcast at gmail.com. This final piece of music is obviously for uh, old mate KNG once again. Much love, brother. And uh, although this may be goodbye, I have a feeling it's not. Till next time, enjoy the game. Time to say goodbye. Oh,